welcome to What Do You Say Anime. I am your host, Peter. On today's episode, join me in a solo adventure as I run over the shows that did finish in the winter season and give my thoughts and ratings on these shows. Since it's just me, we will run through quite a bit of shows, but only spend a few minutes on each show. Now, this episode will contain spoilers for each show that I am reviewing, so if you want to jump around to specific shows, use the timestamps below. If this is your first time listening, or if you are a returning listener, thanks again for showing up. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is like, commenting, and subscribing to the podcast on whichever platform you are watching or listening to us on. Now let's jump into the first show. And do I dare say isekais are good again? That's right. Uh, we will be doing Campfire Cooking in Another World, a show done by MAPPA that I didn't think was going to be as good or enjoyable as I thought on the surface. I think it looks like a plain isekai. little different stuff that they do with this one. Really focusing on the gourmet aspect, the food, the different types of materials that they're gathering from the different beasts in this world to really kind of do something a little different in terms of isekai. We will be getting a fantasy-style gourmet show down the road by Trigger called Delicious and Dungeon, which I think is going to be a monster hit. But Campfire and Cooking, to me, kind of... I don't know if it, I don't think it's going to like open doors, but it, it's going to be interesting to talk about this and Delicious and Dungeon when it comes out about just like a pure gourmet show. And I think the fantasy aspect of it increased it just a little bit because I think we had something like in Food Wars where, you know, they're cooking real meals that you can make in real life with this one, you know, they're hunting ogres and serpents and dragons and giants that kind of add a different element to this gourmet style of storytelling that they do in this story and i just thought to me that this was like okay this is something different that we don't really see from isekai um, especially when the main character has a really interesting skill i mean his his unique power that he gets when isekai to this world is essentially having amazon prime but instead of two hour delivery it's like two second delivery which i thought was kind of like a funny um skill that we don't I mean, we did. We have something in like um, I'm standing on like a million lives, which is like an isekai that four people watched. That kind of had this unique skill style system of um, they, they essentially spun a wheel to to see what power that they got. This one, to me, it kind of felt like they didn't show that he spun a wheel, but it like landed on okay, your secret power is Amazon Prime. He's like, well, fuck. Everybody else is like super powered, and they're the heroes of the world, and they have to defeat the Demon King. And to me, I'm just cooking meals for the for Fenrir, the the mystical god wolf that they had. Um, that being said, we got introduced to Fenrir, and then later down in the road, uh, the best character of the season, Sui, which is a slime. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing about the season when the best character, in my opinion, was a cute slime. But I I fell in love with this trio. Honestly, it was probably one of the best trios. And like a comedy style show I've seen in quite a bit that when it was all said and done, I really didn't want this show to end. I had an absolute blast watching this show. It's done by MAPPA, so they did some things particularly well. This is also airing during Vinland Saga, and you can kind of tell that their first team isn't working on this, but uh, MAPPA has four teams in their studio, so this is probably team three or four working on it, and... You can kind of tell it was hit and miss in some spots with the animation, but I think for the most part it was solid. They CG'd some of the food, which I think is kind of interesting because if you watch their YouTube channel, 
they have it where they did some like behind the scenes stuff about this show in particular and how they essentially documented making the food in real life and then took that footage and made it CG and incorporated into the food so it looks more authentic, which I thought is like a nice little touch if you're a fan of digging into a series a little bit more. I thought that was like a nice little thing that they probably didn't have to do. They could probably just use like stereotypical anime looking food and it'd probably be fine. But over, I mean, overall, the food looked delicious. Uh, I was hungry every time I was watching this, this show. And I think on that aspect of the, the, the gourmet food cooking aspect of the show, it, it hit the nail on the head. It was really well done. It might be, it might seem blasphemous to the, how high of a rating I gave the show because I think on the surface, it's just like a very stereotypical, maybe like a fantasy style, like laid back camp where like, they're just like cooking and adventuring. There's no like Sakuga moments where your mind is blown. There's no like overarching story plot. Really. It's kind of just like him hanging out with a slime and a wolf God and cooking different meats and stuff for them. But it was just, they took that simple concept and made it just a very enjoyable show in general. And to me, that's kind of why I fell in love with this. Because when you take a concept like this and just make it simple and fun, and you can tell like the voice actors are having a blast with this. Uh, Sui's voice actress and Fel's voice actor were just on, just, just killing their roles. And it's like a very simple thing to do. But when you actually sit down and watch it, you can kind of tell the difference between somebody who's here for like a job compared to somebody who is enjoying the role. And to me, that's what I found in this. And it just raised it. I just had a blast with this trio and I didn't want it to end. The anime only adapted like 20% of the current light novel going on right now. And it's still ongoing. So is there a chance for season two? Like a 1% chance, I think. Just because MAPPA really doesn't do sequels unless it's like a huge shonen property and i can't foresee them moving forward with another part of this but i would pop so hard if they did the show itself was just one of the most enjoyable shows the season i looked forward to every tuesday when it's like my big uh like cardio day at the gym and i'm busting my ass if i turn this on i know i get 23 minutes of a show that i'm going to be enjoying while i'm stressing out and i think to me, that's just why I love this show so much. I'm giving this a 9. I think it was really good. I had a lot of fun watching the show. Continuing with the isekais that we had, we had Handyman in Another World, which is a, another story I think on paper just seems very generic, very standard. It's a silly D&D campaign where you have your three main people playing D&D as the generic classes, the mage, the warrior, the fairy healer. And then the fourth guy's just like, I'm going to pick locks and be a handyman and use tools and stuff. And it's like, I, right, I, right, we'll see how this goes. And similar to the trio dynamic of campfire cooking in another world, Handyman Saito, the, the four plex that they used, I guess, I the, the group that they had was just so fun. Uh, the dynamic between Saito and Rosalia towards the end and their like romantic interest in each other, I thought was a huge plus having a full adult cast in your group. I thought led to some more jokes landing better compared to if this was like, say Konosuba and the characters are like 15 making this joke. I don't think it would hit as much, but because the, you know, they're adults, 
and they can understand the situations a little bit better. Yes, they still get flustered and stuff like that, but not to the extent, I think, of what a teenager or, like, a younger adult character would have. To me, this is, it's, like, what separated it and, like, what elevated the show a little bit more than what I thought it was going to be on paper. It started as, like, the four-coma-style comedy isekai and kind of started venturing into more serious stuff in the middle of it with the assassin and witch arc that we had where we had this assassin falling in love for the first time and same with this witch. And it kind of felt out of place in the beginning, but as we let it cook, it kind of came together into a story that I thought was just really well done. And we even got that towards the end with this like demon wolf losing his, I guess, wolf wife, but having a child and then kind of like not being able to be the father that he wants to be after passing away, but then we get some magic stuff and he ends up living. So that was kind of cool. And the dynamic with like Morlock and his kind of failures as a father and seeing himself in this wolf was kind of really cool. It's, they did a really good job at sort of taking a serious concept in a comedy world and blending the two together. And I think that's kind of just great because I think a lot of times in these isekais, if we do get something serious like this, where it's a more serious arc, maybe we get like one arc, especially in a comedy style isekai, maybe one. But the fact that they did back to back more serious just storytelling to me was just like, oh, this is, they're trying to do something different. Like, this is not just uh, cookie cutter bullshit that we see from other isekais, especially coming out next year, like in another world with my smartphone or something like that, where like you have, I'll say, a fun concept of this smartphone, but like when you actually get into the meat and the potatoes of the story, it's very cookie cutter, it's very tropey. I thought this kind of just, while they did have the tropes of stereotypical isekai and fantasy, I thought that they, they tried to branch out a little bit more with this sto- kind of storytelling of blending two elements together that aren't really seen all that often in these styles of shows. And to me, that's what separated it from other more serious shows. Like, or let me say serious in quotation marks, because I think there are some isekais out there that try to be serious. The first thing that comes to mind is like Wise Man's Grandchild, where like they try to have serious moments and it just fails i thought this just delivered on back-to-back arcs just just really well told of fatherhood and love and i really wish we did see more of the rizalia and saito kind of like obviously they're getting together but we didn't see you know like confirmed confirmed like it's through the grapevine right now and everything's all but secure but we need to hear those words I feel like we haven't gotten that yet, so I went to actually like read the manga, and the English manga is not caught up to the anime, so I'm patiently waiting because I will be reading this. Just the style that the manga is, you can read chapters in like 12 seconds, so uh, that's kind of like a selling point for me of why I'm going to continue it, but it was a really great show. The animation was fine. Nothing really crazy. However, I did think like some of the world bosses, like the giant eye tower, was a really cool boss concept uh the merging of the two brothers in this demon form i thought was like a really fun end boss style uh battle that they had at the end just over uh, and the characters themselves the character designs in the show very fantasy-esque but still had like their own little twist 
so like Morlock just being like this goofy old wizard, like Gandalf if he was smoking weed all the time, something like that, and super horny, and Rosalia kind of being that gritted warrior, but then when she takes off her helmet, she's like you know the hottest chick in the town. Thought that was fun. Uh, just like a really, I mean, I love the show. I I didn't want it to end. I hope it gets a season two. How's that happening? Similar to the campfire, one percent. But you never know. Uh, I'm gonna give this a nine. I really, really enjoyed uh, Handyman in Another World. And a show that aired this season, but I think a lot of people forgot because it ended like a month ago in the season was The Eminence in the Shadow. Now, I had a lot of hopes for this one. And it got to the point where I think it was just like a, a little too male power fantasy for me where... Is it a harem? No, but like, yes, at the same time. Like, does every character have to be like this, these super hot girls? Like, I get that there's like a story plot behind of why they're all here and having a reason, but it's like, you, you couldn't save one dude. You could enjoying your crew type of thing. And to me, some of the jokes kind of fell flat because the punchline was always he is going to win. And it wasn't like parodied like something like One Punch Man. It just, it was just like very predictable, like where things were going. And I feel like if you were, if you're into like this high school DXD type of thing where the main character is going to have a bunch of chicks around him and he's going to be the strongest person and he's going to overcome the thing by doing the thingy majiggy. And like, I get like there's not supposed to be like the idea of a threat really for him because of just how blatantly overpowered he is. But I just wish that there was some different style of storytelling in it other than just him being super strong. They did it a little bit at the end when he kind of did this mundane man thing and was disguised as like not him, but was him the whole time. And I thought that part was kind of fun, but then it's just like, of course, like, the end fight of him is, like, a super hot elf chick. And then we even had that in, like, the witch arc, which I thought was really poorly done because, like, the effect of it, like, meant nothing in the story. Where it's just, like, the the boss is a super hot witch chick. It's just, like, okay, next he's gonna fight the super hot lizard girl. Next he's gonna fight the super hot dragon girl. It's just, like, which hot girl is he gonna fight next? And... That's kind of just like where it like led into. I'm like, I need you to switch the script a little bit and do something different in the story, except for instead of telling the same story over and over again with just like insert X character, uh, insert X hot girl character, I should say, because that's all it was. And some of them were fun. Some of them were cute. I know a lot of people didn't like like the merchant chick, but I thought that she was probably my favorite girl who was like super smart and rich and like knew how to run a business, but was clumsy. Don't know why, but that chick like resonated with me, but like stuff like the chick who had like a flat chest and used magic to have huge tits. It's like, wow. Yeah. That's what a normal girl would do. Right. Like let's, that, that's where it's like, that's where it's like way too male power fantasy for me. It's just like, you know, she could use this magic to be an ultimate warrior and, all this other stuff, but nah, instead she's going to use it to have huge titties because that's what the people want, right? I'm like, you know what? There's 14 other girls in the show that have huge titties, and like, I get that part. Like, you don't need a 15th. It's not going to add a new layer, a new dynamic of the show. Then I'm just like, yeah, 
this is what was missing the 15th biggest titty girl it is confirmed that we're getting i think 10 more episodes down the road but uh yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest with you it's just not my cup of tea i i had fun in some aspects but the middle area kind of fell flat for me um i thought it ended strong but just not not what i wanted to be honest i'm gonna give it a six i thought it was like okay i'll i'll watch the next part too but i don't really get the hype of like why this is like really well received i just thought like it was a pretty normal like stylish show even to be honest in the first episode where we get this background on this character and he's kind of like kick-ass from the movie kick-ass have you ever seen that and i was like i'd actually prefer that story than this story and we didn't i mean it kind of like this he kind of got like this chinibio who got superpowers and became you know the harem king of the, the next world but just not for me. I'm going to give it a six. Like, I get the appeal, but, man, I just don't think it's that good. I just thought it was just, it was fine. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a six. All right, we are done with the isekais. Let's get to the romance. Just finished up yesterday. Uh, Tobo-chan is a girl. Kind of stereotypical, like, he doesn't see me as a girl thing, but what elevates Tobo-chan compared to other stylish shows that are like this is the voice acting and character. So while June is the stereotypical dense male protagonist, luckily at the end he does not become that, but in the beginning, you know what, it's they're in high school, they're they're 14, 15, whatever. That's fine. Um Ri Takahashi taking this Tomo character and making it I think way better than it should have been, where her voice actress skills just elevated the comedy because She's able to switch pitches and tones and volume so easily to make these different style of situations in the show, whether it's like awkward romantic or mad or funny and just really knock it out of the park. I mean, to me, she is the, if there's like a voice actress or voice actor award, she's currently leading it. Like it was that good of a performance for a show that probably didn't need it. And then we also have to bring up uh, the supporting cast of Mizuzu and Carol, which those two, their dynamic was so fun for this style of show. Mizuzu being this stone cold, uh, I'm not going to say like mean, but at some points I feel like she could probably come off as mean, but very loyal, um, really wanting the best for Tomo at the end. Uh, she had like her conflicts with like giving up her best friend. Like we can see throughout the show that like, she kind of has some issues making friends along with Carol, which is like a great dynamic. Why Mizuzu and Carol actually became like really good friends at the end. But like Mizuzu having this conflict of like Tomo, not going to be there as much as she is. I think that happens with a lot of people with, I know me getting older with my friends getting married and having kids. It's like, Guess what? I'm not going to be able to see you as much. And Misusu kind of running into that issue. And then Carol having this like eternal, internal, wrong word, internal, that's the word I'm looking for. Kind of like wanting to please her mom by always trying to be like this ganky, high spirited, happy character where inside she was battling a lot. And we saw that when we had the Kosuke episode where she kind of thought that she lost him 
and kind of like really broke down. And it was like a side of Carol that I didn't think we were going to see in the show. But, you know, when she does show, show her true colors, this is the person that she, who she wants to be and is. So I thought that was like just great. They fully adapted the manga, so we're not getting any more. The show ended on a really high note. I would have loved to see the manga continue to see how their relationship continues. But from what I'm seeing on uh, Twitter is that this manga, the mangaka, I don't know if they wrote anything, but they're saying like they don't know how to write relationships. So maybe there's like a prior work before this that had some issues with the relationship. So they just made the end goal of them getting together and then the story ends, which I think a lot of people just like enjoy that storytelling. However, I would have loved to see second year, third year college Tomo in June type of dynamic and maybe see Carol and uh, Kosuke a little bit more because once they got together, they kind of, we didn't really get more other than just like, we know that they are together and Mizusu kind of being the, the <laughs> eternal fifth wheel. There's I'll use eternal the correct way this time where it seems like she doesn't really have any romantic interests. And I think it would have been really fun to see. Well, I, okay. There's Tatsumi who was like trying the entire season to get with her, but she always blew him off. And that was never, that, that was it. Just She legit just blew him off the entire season and they're done. Um, I think it would have been fun to see like the type of guy Mizuzu kind of falls for. I think that would have been a really interesting, like maybe like an OVA or continuation of the story. I did like Tomo's mom. Tomo's dad was weird. The dynamic, I like dynamics of adults acting like adults and him just being like overly flustered seeing his wife. I'm like, dude, it's your wife. Like you had sex with her and had a kid. Like why are you flustered seeing your own wife all the time? Which is cute and all. Like I get that's like the point, but come on. Come on. It would have been fun to see like that dynamic. But overall, uh, this show is great. Carol's my second favorite character of the season behind Sui. Yeah, just really fun, great voice actress work, great guy dynamic between the the three girls. I'm gonna give the show a nine. Like I really enjoyed it. Oh, and the OP and the EDs were great. The June ED, where then he did the ED, was a really nice twist to, in the show. Just it's a really enjoyable show. I'm gonna give it a nine. And then we had the Angel Next Door spoils me. Rotten. This was high on a lot of people's radar for in terms of people who like this like. Uh, romance and comedy style of shows where two neighbors kind of get to know each other with different backgrounds and then kind of come together at the end. For me, it was a little, at, at points, it was a little bit too much like um, housewife and training the anime where I get that the point is them coming together at their apartments and eating dinner and getting closer to each other. But there was like five episodes of that, and I feel like that was just too much, where it's just like she's always cooking to make him happy, and he's always like, oh, I can't believe she's cooking for me, and I wish it just wasn't that. Maybe some like more school stuff we did at the end with the school festival thing that they had, the sports day, kind of coming together outside of their apartment, which then led to like this confession scene towards the end but i wish that wasn't in the apartment it was just so much in the apartment like even something like more than mary couple but less than lovers kind of branched out more than this which was like the the, the same style in terms of enclosed you know like apartment style conversation romance where they're getting together or they're knowing each other through close quarters and but then they still do stuff they had like one arcade date 
which I loved. Like, the arcade shopping date. Like, more of that. Even going, like, grocery shopping together, I wish we got more of. Because, like, an emphasis of this is, like, cooking for each other and eating and coming together over food, which I think is super cool. We even got that with uh, Mahiru's backstory with the person who took care of her because her parents hate her guts. And getting that, I think, would have elevated the story. But that being said, the dynamic of the two were, like, really good. Like, their conversations were great. I kind of liked how, over time, they opened up more and more to each other. And at the end, they finally became a couple. Big fan of that. However, I do wish we got more. I wish it didn't end there. I wish we got, like, one episode more of them as, like, an official couple. But you know what? They gotta sell those light novel numbers, so I get it. But just, like, a personal thing with the anime. The side characters, even though they're listed as main, I don't think so at all, of uh, Chitose and uh, Itsuki, they were fun. Uh, they acted like an actual high school couple, I feel like, where they're like super over lovey-dovey when they're in that honeymoon phase and kind of rubbing it in their face. I really enjoyed that. That was fun. However, I think their characters were pretty boring outside of the fact that, like, if they weren't together, I thought their characters were just, like, very boring, but when they were together, then it was cool. That type of thing. But outside of that, just, like, the cast itself was just pretty average, I think, so... Nothing really like, stood out to me for maybe Amane's mom. Big fan. Uh, that being said, the show was good. Uh, the OP was fun. The OP was really fun. Uh, I'm going to give the show an 8. I think it has some spots where it can improve on, and maybe with more content we could get that. But just like not moving outside of the box was my biggest issue because we got clip, we got parts of it where, you know, he rolled her ankle outside at the park, and then he had to, like, help her with that. We could have had some other elements to the story than just the classroom and then the apartment. And that's kind of where I wish it branched out. However, if... It, it just seems like a light novel, doesn't it? Just, like, they're just saying words together, and, like, the environment doesn't matter. But because I'm looking at it, I want to see something more. And I think that's kind of where I fell off. But... The dynamic was great. The dialogue, for the most part, was really good. And I'm glad that they actually developed as characters throughout the story. That they weren't just a, share, a scared, shy girl and dense MC. That she really became, like, the assertive one towards the end. Which was big fan and Amane just not kind of being that long-haired, over-the-eyes. Uh, don't look at me type of MC type of guy where he's like kind of a loner, but he's not. But like, that's like the vibe he puts out. I'm glad that they actually like were able to move past that a little bit more. And yeah, I was a big fan of that. So uh, Angel Next Door gets in eight. Next one is Ice Guy and the Cool Female Colleague. A story that I had a lot of high hopes on. Problems with this one though, I'm just gonna get it out of the way. When I have adult characters i want them to act like adults and i it's not like the aspect of like you know one of the characters is a fox and he can turn into an icicle it's just more of like we get 12 episodes of this and we find out like Futsuki like has never fallen in love before like you never had a crush on anybody in your entire life like, come on. Like, you, you can expand that dynamic a little bit more. I was more excited for, like, the side romance between uh, Kamori and Saijima. I think that's his name. 
the Phoenix dude and the other office girl, I thought was didn't make a lot of sense. Like they give us some backstory of like why the Phoenix guy likes her, but she is like very adamant, like, no, please don't like me like this. And they kind of keep teasing it. I thought that was like a little much. But then actually getting into the actual story, the cast was great. I had this was more to me like more slice of life than romance, where it was more of like the situations that they put themselves in were more enjoyable than the dynamic and the chemistry between the two main leads. Where similar to like outside of Angel Next Door, they did a lot in this story where it wasn't just inside of an apartment. It, this for this case, it wasn't just inside of like an office setting. They're friends and they went on trips together and they stayed with each other and had dinners and drank and uh, went skiing and all this stuff where that's what I was kind of looking for outside of Angel. But for this one, I thought that when they expanded on this world together and doing things that adults do just really made it more enjoyable for me. And I think that's kind of like where I resonated with this more than the Angel Next Door, where that was way more on the romance side, and this was more on just, like, the cast dynamic and them having a good time, which is kind of, like, where I lead to the, this being more slice of lifey, even though there is that, like, romantic undertone of the two where, are they going to get together eventually? Absolutely. Of course they are. I just wish that we saw some more of that in the anime, where, where you'd see is just, like, do I like him? I'm like, you're 24. You should know by now. I don't even know if she's 24. Let me check him out real quick. Doesn't say. For for this example, I'm going to say she's 24. You you should know if you like somebody at this age. You're no longer in the, the point of figuring out what is like love and liking somebody or having a crush. I'm just like, just accept your feelings and then progress that. And that's where I kind of fell off. It's same with Himuro, where it's like, he had like he got like super nervous for like a date, which was fun and cute and everything like that. Like, I think people when you like somebody and they agree to go on like a date with you, you get like super excited. But then it's like, yo, dude, like she agreed to go on dates with you and all this stuff. Maybe push it a little bit more. Like I don't know if you're waiting for her to make a move, but you can also make a move, right? Or it seems like it's pretty obvious that she is the one that's hesitant towards something more than this. You're not. You clearly understand your feelings. Please progress forward with that. And he does at points. I just wish it was more of what I guess I would want in like an adult setting. I guess even something like Wodakoi, which is maybe not the best comparison, but it's the only like adult cast like office thing that I can think of where it's established. It's like, yeah, we're adults and like, yeah, you're hot. Like, you want to go out? Like, Okay, like that's what people do. Like they they just go for it, and that's kind of what I wish for. That I'm not saying it has to be Wotokoi. I just wish that it was more than just like it seemed like they were like 14 year olds in high school. But I'm talking negative about a lot negative about the show. The show was like super enjoyable. The more slice of life moments with like Futsi and her cat were really fun. I think it's like episode two or three where like she sends like a selfie to him with the cat and it's just like holy crap like a girl just sent me a picture of her like that that was really fun i think like that type of stuff is what i wanted to see more of and Kamori and like her thing with the the co-worker i thought was really fun because they're the side character like that's that type of relationship stuff is fine 
because they're, they're not the main focus and I don't need to see huge development from them. I thought that dynamic was good, but when it's the same as the main characters, then that's where I run into my problems. But I mean, kind of a cool twist with like the mythology with the foxes and the phoenix and the ice dude. I thought it added like a fun dynamic with the the elements, especially with Himuro and him being like nervous or excited or whatever. And then the forecast and the elements show that on him. I thought that was really fun. The show itself, though, I think if you go into it thinking it's not as romantic as maybe you want it to be, but more fun and slice of lifey, you're going to have a good time. If you go into it thinking it's going to be something like Wotakoi where they go on dates and maybe some progression like romantically and physically, we're not getting that. And I wish we did. So I'm going to give this like a step below Wotakoi. I gave Wotakoi a nine. I'm going to give this an eight. Still super enjoyable, but just not exactly what I wanted from like a full adult casted uh show. Oh man. Next up we have this this fucking show. Ningen Fushin, adventurers who don't believe in humanity will save the world. Now stereotypical fantasy thing where you know all the people who got kicked out of their party all come together to join their party. They're the ragtag team of the group or of the of the adventure guild or whatever. And I thought that this show started off really strong. I'm not gonna talk a lot about this show because honestly don't want to shout out too much because I do think that the show was actually pretty bad. Uh, they take like this element of people who are outcasts and coming together and then just kind of making it like way too otaku esque, where the main dude, Nick, is like an idol otaku, but we're in like this fantasy world. So I'm like, what? what's the point of that? I thought the gambling episode, while I love gambling, was a terrible, terrible episode. I felt like it served no point to the story itself. It was highlighting like these other characters that really didn't make a difference in the story or not. Uh, it showed that like uh, Tiana was like a really good gambler, but like who cares? Like she's not using. We even see it. We're like she's winning at poker, and then she still has this degenerate gambling problem, and she lives in like a one bedroom shack. I'm like, you need to get your life together, girl. Like you are obviously a fantastic poker player. Uh, the current backstory I thought was great. But it was just so wonky with the storytelling. Like, some episodes just are just bad, and they don't make sense to any of the story. And then we get these episodes, and then it goes right into, like, this serious conflict with, like, this dude's daughter dying. I'm like, what the fuck? Last episode, we were talking about idols, and now we have this serious backstory of, like, poor people and children dying. I'm like, I don't know. Then we got introduced to late, like, Olivia, who is also, like the sword that they found in the other episodes who happened to turn into a boy. I think I'm not entirely sure what Izuna is. It's a sword that turns into a human. It was just odd. The storytelling was so odd, but like it had its moments where I don't think it's like the worst thing I've ever seen, but it was a really, really average slash bad show like with legit awful episodes the middle idol episode was awful it served no purpose other than nick likes idols and you know what else likes idols people who watch anime i'm like you know what maybe but it doesn't make any fucking sense with the story i'm giving it a five it's just like i'm gonna sweep it under the rug nobody's gonna remember this show and and they shouldn't because it's just 
it's just not good. I forgot this earlier. <laughs> We're going back to the isekais. Uh, Farby Life in Another World, which I thought was pretty fun. It was really interesting how they changed the light novel. I didn't read the light novel, or maybe it's a manga, to the anime where, similar to Eminence and Shadow, every character on the farm is a girl, except for the lizard men. I guess the dwarves come in too. Okay, there are no human males, I'll put it that way. Or anything that resembles a human male, where we get that. I should say that, the dwarves are kind of human. Like, what am I saying? They have, while they are building the house, they build a, they build a sex room, essentially. It's hinted at for like five seconds of the anime, where like, it's just a room with a giant bed, and they open it up, and it's like, oh, what is this for? And the girl's like, huh, huh? Like, you should get us pregnant. And he's like, oh boy, oh darn, uh, I don't want to do that because why would I want to have sex with hot elf girls? Which then later he has sex with a hot vampire girl and has a kid with, which I thought was weird because their romantic, the romantic chemistry between the two, non-existent. Even at the end where they had a kid together, it just felt like a business deal, but they're supposed to be acting like a couple. And they kind of seem like they like each other, but, like, they show no signs of affection. And I was just really confused by that. Uh, the positives of this show. Some of the characters were fun. I like the main character. I like that he just gets teleported into this world and just builds a farm. And then the girls come flocking. Kind of like Khalees with the milkshake. Uh, this is that with a farm, so... Fellows out there, if you are trying to get girls and having no luck, consider farming. I hear farmersonly.com is a great site for you. Uh, I, I like like the 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 Kuban, I think his name is like the giant spider. He's in the show for like eight seconds an episode. I thought he was super fun. Now that I think about it, like I originally gave this show a seven. I don't think it's a seven. I'm gonna drop it to a six. Just a lot, a lot. A lot of like fan service, but like not etchy fan service. Just like, oh no, which group of loner girls are going to join the the farm this week? Oh, it's the dragons. The dragons are here, and then we got the angels and the elves, and it's just like, of course, all the men are killed in battle, and there's only really hot girls left. So, all right. But the show was fun for the most part. I'm going to give it a six. It was fun. It was fine. I don't know what I expected going into this. I, I think I expected... Okay. So I think this is a six because I expected going into this thinking it was like a four. And it wasn't. It was better than a four. So then it like raises my bar. I'm like, oh, this show is actually good. But now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, this show is fine. I'm going to give it a six. Next up, not a not an easy guy, but uh, more fantasy. We got chilled in my 30s after getting fired from the Demon King army. This show was better than Farby Life in Another World. I really enjoyed Daryl as this human growing up in like the demon world, but then coming back to the human world after getting kicked out and sort of figuring out his dynamic with the world, thinking that he was a demon, but he's not actually. And the relationship with uh, Marika and them actually having a kid and getting married, I thought was really fun with this style of like... I think Odd Paper, crappy fantasy generic style show, which I think it did towards the end with some of the, the female characters that got introduced where it was a little extra, um, especially the 
the demon girl, I forgot her name, that came in and like fought with him and then like, you know what? Actually, I like you, but I'm not going to say it. And I was like, oh God, not again. I'm trying to think if there's something like really interesting to talk about. I like the dynamic between figuring out his real dad compared to like the dad who raised him, the dad who stepped up type of thing. And then them kind of bonding over their, the grandchild I thought was really fun. I was more to this show was less of like the fantasy and magic and more of just the cast and characters and their conversations and the dynamic between the world than anything. I did like that. One of the mithril workers was named Zaza. And I was like, Oh, she's smoking that Zaza pack. Uh, that's weed for the people out there, but uh, this show itself I thought was good, not great. I did enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just like Daryl and his interactions with people. I'm not, th- there's really not a whole lot to say about this show. I gave it a seven. It's enjoyable. If you like fantasy style shows that are enjoyable. Add it to the list. You'll probably enjoy it. I wish I could talk more about it. It's like when I actually get into these shows and I started talking about them, like what really stood out for me? I'm like, you know what? It was like one thing. And luckily that's a lot of the show. So if you like that one thing, it works out. But if you don't like that one thing, the show's probably asked you, but it worked out for me. And so, yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. Like let's just move on to something that is a little bit better that we can talk about a little bit more. Uh, which is Endo and Kobayashi, the the villainous style games that we were getting, taking a twist on it where instead of like being transported into the world, they're kind of like playing along with it and interacting with that world and then changing the story, which I thought was super cool. I did really enjoy the dynamic between the four main leads, I guess, but in like pairs. So Endo and Kobayashi, them being the puppet masters of this world. And then uh, Sieg and Lizalette being the the hot prince and like the Sundere princess. The Sundere joke I thought was really great. We also got some fun like side character stuff with uh, Fine and Baldur. That was nice. I like them as well. I wish we got, I mean, we actually got a good amount, but Kana Hanazawa being Kobayashi was really well done. I liked her a lot. And one thing about the show that, they kind of like separated. I just like the ending. The ending was so good. It didn't seem drawn out. We got like a nice conclusion to the story where they said their goodbyes because the game was over and we didn't think that we were going to see them again, but then they were able to be transported into the world for the first time and probably the last time, except for, I think, let me check to see if this is still going on. So the light novel is finished. Okay. So it's only a two volume light novel. I will say like, you could probably make like a sequel game and continue it. I think that would be really fun. But I mean, with all said and done, a complete story of this villainous archetype with a different twist was just fantastic. I really enjoyed it. The comedy was hitting. Uh, the characters were really good. I did like at the end, like I said, the the two people in the video game get married, live happily ever after. Kobayashi and Endo start dating at the end. Huge plus because their dynamic I thought was super fun and Kobayashi kind of like starting it with one thing and then finishing it with a relationship was really good because I think she just wanted to have fun playing this game and then realized like it's more fun with somebody else and Endo's just like finding life outside of baseball and it being 
not just Kobayashi, but the broadcasting team. It was really well done. Just a super fun show, man. I had a great time watching this. Uh, the animation was hit and miss at points, but I think in the style of storytelling, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as the story and the characters are good, that's all that matters. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. It was a really solid show. Solid 8 out of 10 for me. All right, next up is Buddy Daddies. This is a show that I was a little worried about just because this is coming off the heels of Spy Family, and I thought that maybe it was going to be like a clone. However, I think they really set the tone of how this show was going to progress in the first episode, where it was a little bit more violent than I was anticipating, and really did a good job at kind of distancing itself from that speculation, I think. I still enjoyed the kind of childcare aspect that we got in Spy Family, similar to Buddy Daddies, with this, you know, both of them are the papas type of thing. It was really good. I have one really overarching complaint about this show was how they treated Miri's mom and kind of, you know, giving her cancer and then killing her by not that. And it kind of just seemed really forced to put her in the situation of them being her guardian, which I think that they could have done it in a different way where the story is kind of about like redemption and changing who you are. And we saw that with uh, Kazuki and Ray, And then we kind of get the hint of it with Miri's mom. And I thought that because of the tone of the show, it should match it with her because then she gets redemption of being a bad mom, but still being, and then being able to be a loving mom to Miri. And she doesn't really get that opportunity. And I thought that was, that was a huge miss on their part because it just doesn't match the narrative of what the story was going for. Uh, that being said, the action in the show, I think, was more of like secondary compared to just the relationships between them. However, there were a few scenes of action that were pretty good. There was one where they like raided the mansion, which I thought was pretty bad. Animation-wise, it was good, but just kind of like how did the narrative work in the show didn't really hit for me. But the last episode with the raid of Ray's father's like compound was really well done, I thought, especially uh, given... It's kind of like the past storylines between Ray and that other assassin and also Ray and his father kind of coming to amends with each other of it, it seemed like a truce a little bit where Ray put him in a self where a, a situation with himself where he hurt himself where he's not useful to the family anymore and then still kind of showing to his father like you don't control me like I can make my own decisions and he does that and I thought that was like a really well done scene uh Mir was a Absolute delight. Loved her. Uh, high energy. Really fun. Her laugh was contagious. Uh, but that really overarching narrative of killing off her mom to me just doesn't stick with me. Because when you set a theme and you set a tone for the show and you kind of go against it, I feel like that's not the point of what you're trying to do. And then since this is an original, I don't know. It just seems like f I don't like forced drama. And that's kind of like what it was. However, at the end, we got like this fruits basket moment with Miri looking at a picture of her mom. Like, I'm going to school. And they're all grown up. That was awesome. That flashback was wonderful. It kind of, it, it's it's like, it's tough because I think for the most part of the show, the, it was very good. But episode 11 to me just kind of put a real damper in my mouth. However, it ended on a high note. So I'm like somewhere in the middle between like a seven and eight for this. I, if we use decimals. It'd be like a 7.5, but I just don't like it when you set a theme for the show and you go against it for whatever reasons. And then for this one, to me, it felt like it was to put Miri in the situation of the two 
Papa's. And I just think you could have done that with Miri's mom being alive. I don't think it's gonna, it would take away from anything. And to me, that's just what I was looking for in this because they've been doing it like kind of like the whole time. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 7. I just can't reach it to an 8. It just missed just a little bit. For me. Next up, uh, The Magical Girl, Revolution Reincarnated Princess, Genius Young Lady, or however you pronounce that title. This one to me, I don't understand like why they needed to have the isekai aspect. They could just made it a fantasy, but you know, if you add the tag isekai, it might sell more numbers to it. A pretty nice change of pace in terms of not being Yuri bait, just a straight up Yuri at the end. The relationship between the two main characters were, I thought, really well done. Kind of them accepting their path going forward and then wanting to do that with each other, uh, with Yuffie and uh, the main girl. I uh, thought that was great. A couple of things that I didn't like about this show, however, the thing with her brother, I think storyline makes sense of like how they were trying to perceive like this dynamic between the two of like being rid of the crown, giving the crown to her brother, and him kind of being a rebellious kid in like a really over the top manner. That to me, I thought was just a little like extra. Uh, to the fact that like where he's like almost killing people and like what do you think the end game of this is going to be like you think everything's gonna be fine and dandy afterwards of course like you're going to lose and then him he then he loses and he's just like yep I'm off to jail peace out he's like he's all like good and all well good intentions like I lost the battle so that's how it is um the other thing was uh Lainey turning into a vampire and her whole shticked was you know her brother was using her for like a as a like a partner she gets turned into a vampire and then down the road she just is a maid and her character just seemed like a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different things that i didn't really understand like the point of her character going forward that you had this huge like just swing of emotions of going through like helping um the main character's brother like betray her old partner and then now i'm a vampire but by the end of it i'm a cute maid i'm like what is your character it was really very confusing it just didn't make a lot of sense um that being said the fights uh especially the brother fight i thought like animated was like really well done but i mean you're watching it for the characters and i thought they were pretty solid um overall this show was I'd say pretty good. I think there's actually a decent chance that this gets like a second season. It was pretty well received by most people. Uh, just there's just some aspects of the show in between where the show was 12 episodes. And I feel like they could have told the story in like eight type of thing where some episodes just weren't as impactful or meaningful, or I didn't see the point as others. So that being said, it was a, it was a fun and enjoyable watch. I'm gonna give it a seven. It was, it was a good time. Ooh, this one was super fun. Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. So for this one, I had a couple issues with in the beginning, and then towards the end of it, I loved the show a lot. Um, I'm just going to say this, that it's fuck Jonas season. Uh, Jonas is a piece of shit. I hope he gets hit by a buggy or a tractor trailer or whatever is going on in their world. However, the character introduced at the end that steals the man away, Bridget, I think Loki is pretty based. She gets introduced late into the story where it kind of seems like her character, which is funny because she's not even the main character, but I just really liked Bridget. Let me, let me rant for a second. Bridget's character was always just walking along the, the path that was given to her. 
and then when she falls for Shawl, uh, it kind of switches her tone and is willing to do anything to have him. And I, I kind of like that, where you didn't really have a meaning in life or a passion or something like that, and then something clicks with you, and you're like, okay, I will do anything for this. Like, is she a bad person? Absolutely. However, I think how it was portrayed in the story was really well done. Uh, Anne was a really cute and fun main character. I liked the, her aspect of trying to create these sugar conventions off of her motivations and kind of the research she did. That was a... Oh, the, the show itself was, like, really unique. So, like, her doing all of this was, I thought, like, a really unique storytelling moment. One weird thing that... <laughs> there's, a, there's a character in the show. He's, like, the smaller fairy named Mithril Ridpod. And they don't, like, shorten it or anything like that during the entire show. They just always call him Mithril Ridpod. And you think that you would call him, like, Mithril or Pod Sean or something like that. But... And always says his full name, and I thought that was so funny because it's just like a, such a random name. She always calls Shawl Shawl. Like he doesn't say like his full name, but Mithril Ridpod gets the entire thing. Uh, a couple things other about Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. Oh man, the the middle part with like the Duke and his like factua factuation of the like fairy. I think he was in love with her. I thought that was really well done. How Anne kind of came together and made the sculpture, the convention for him based off of learning more about her really like added to her skills as like a craftsman. And I thought that was really neat. Um, props to Anne for that, just to her character in general. Shaw was like a, the really fun, overbearing, overprotective bodyguard type of character. And still, I, th I think he's kind of like Bridget too, where he's sort of following a path. And because he always is like wanting Anne to command him to do something. Though towards the end, when he hugs her goodbye, like states that like he doesn't want to go, which I thought was cool. It kind of like shined a light different on uh, Shaw's character for being a little selfish when the entire time he's not all that selfish. So pretty cool. This show was, yeah, my issues were with the beginning. Uh, kind of slow, kind of boring. However, the second and third arcs, the mini arc things that they had in the beginning or at the end were really well done. This is sort of similar to Buddy Daddy's. If I had the decimal, um, Rating scale, I'd probably give this like a 7.5, but I don't think it just had enough to get it to an 8. However, I'm very, it, like, I'm very excited for the second season that we are getting. I think it's going to conclude the entire story, so that's great. I'm going to give it a 7, a really fun show, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. Ah, my lovable bunch of idiots. Uh, play it cool, guys. A, I, I like how they put this into 12-minute episodes. I think it matched perfectly with the story that they were trying to tell. This is like the story of like, yeah, they're a bunch of idiots, but they're my idiots. Like, I love them. Uh, just an overall enjoyable show. Uh, nothing groundbreaking from the show, but this is a show that I would turn on before. Like, I went to bed. I wanted to relax and cool down. I was a cool down guy uh, before going to bed. Yeah, it was a really enjoyable show. I get why people would gravitate towards this. The dudes are all have like their quirky personalities, whether they're bashful or an airhead type of thing. Um, not a whole lot to say about this just because it's sort of a pure comedy. You're not going to get like in-depth character, like in-depth character progression or something along those lines or a romantic subplot or something along those lines. Just a really fun, enjoyable show. I'm going to give it a seven just because it was fun. All right. Last but not least, we have Trigun Stampede, a kind of the the anime community seemed a little split on this just because so many people love the OG 
and they were scared. I think a lot of people were like worried that it wouldn't live up to its hype. It was in CG, wasn't confirmed a prequel. Like, is this an original story? Where is this going to lead to? But for me, I thought this, as somebody who has not seen the original Trigun, was just fantastic. Studio Orange is the best CG anime studio in the game, and it shows here. Um, add it to their list of shows like Land of the Lustrious and Beastars, Trigun Stampede. Just, like, the camera work that they used this was awesome. It Using CG can give you different uh, visuals in terms of a fight based off, like, the angles, I feel like, where they can really make it more cinematic, I think, than other uh, 2D-drawn animes. And they, they went full force with this and really gave us a lot of these Sakuga moments in the fights where uh, Vash was, you know, doing front flips and back flips and spinny things and really showcasing what you can do with this technology. My first exposure to Vash, I thought he was a great MC. He's super fun, uh, but also while being this kind of, well, he's labeled as a renegade type of character by like the public, but to me, he's very down to earth and very loyal and really trying to do the right thing. He was still like really fun and had his own personality outside of his morals. Going to like, if you're at like a, bar or something or a restaurant like he was in the show he didn't have to be like this overbearing character of like honor and loyalty and stuff like that he's just having a goofy fun time he seems like it would be like a if i had to like pick somebody to get like a beer with like vash that's like the character i would want to go get a beer with uh the op oh my god the op was so so good um easily my front runner for uh op of the season it would probably be in a lot of people's ops of the year just the the lyrics, it, when you listen to them from like episode one, maybe don't match. But then as the story goes along the lines and then you see how the lyrics match with the story, I thought was incredible. So good. Props to whoever did uh, the OP. Forgot the top of my head. But Trigon was an absolute treat. Uh, confirmed that we're getting more, I th- more than likely a season two. However, it's not confirmed it's a season two. Could be a movie. Could be an OVA or something like that. But I love this. I love this story so much. Trigon was an absolute treat. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. I hope I, I plan on watching the original now because of how much I enjoyed this. Just a thoroughly fantastic story and show. And God, Vash is so cool. Million Knives. Million Knives. What a cool ass name. Million Not- Knives. Love this show. Nine out of ten. Uh, normally I do like a thing where like I, I list all the shows that I drop, but since this is solo, I'm not going to do it. But like, if you're st- wondering like why I didn't talk about blue lock or something like that, hate to say it, but I dropped it. Sorry. Uh, there's a handful of shows I dropped just been so busy. I'm heading to Japan in two weeks. So <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time to finish as much as I wanted to, but I still wanted to get some content out there for everybody out there who listens. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do so. Like, comment, subscribe, leave a review on whatever platform you are watching or listening to us on. Next week for Watch Club is our April Fool's episode. We are doing Bang Dream. Yay, Bang Dream. Otherwise, uh, be pushing out a lot of content soon uh, before I head to Japan. So uh, look forward to seeing the new content that's out there. And then I will be talking about my trip more than likely when I get back. So I want to say thank you again, and we'll see you next time.